Welcome to That's Good Sports. I am Brandon. If the XFL didn't exist, Matt McGloin would never be pissed. Perna. That's a rhyme. And just like McGloin... We need to change the whole entire game plan at halftime. Change the entire offensive game plan? And these are short halftimes. I, too, probably need to change everything to succeed. My intelligence, my looks, my jokes, throw in my penis while we're at it. They all suck. We are heading into week three of the XFL, and everyone who is actually talking about the XFL is asking the same question. Will it survive? Well, today, we may have determinate evidence that the XFL will indeed survive, as O.J. Simpson is talking XFL. Well, I watched a little of that XFL football, and I found it entertaining. Uh, uh, some things I liked about it was uh, particularly the kickoff returns. Uh, can't you imagine Tariq Hill and some of the guys uh, uh, with those rules? Uh, Tariq Hill and some of the guys who are actually the kick returners for their teams. Today, I will power rank the XFL teams with a little XFL news and week three preview all mixed together into one harmonious, perfect game plan. I need to change the whole entire game plan at halftime. <laughs> Damn! Damn you, McGloin! Damn you, Pat McGloin! That's good, sports. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football, that's good. Missed your chance to bet on the Super Bowl? Regretting it? Well, fear not, listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter the time of year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all of your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to retrieve your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Houston Roughnecks receiver Cam Phillips won the XFL Star of the Week award, making it the second week in a row that a Houston player earned the honors. P.J. Walker won it last week, and this is an incredibly lazy attempt at naming an award. Star of the Week? What are we, in grade school? I know you can't give guys the Big Dick Player Award as it would cost you millions in trademark royalties, but you can do better than Star of the Week. How about Baller of the Week? Or Shot Caller of the Week? Or 20-Inch Blade of the Week? Any lyrics by Lil Troy would suffice. Get laid tonight. There's gotta be a better name. XFL teams also get $100,000 bonuses each time they win, so it only seems fair to give the baller of the week a bonus as well. Giving the best player of the week, say $25,000, would be making money. Does the XFL have a quarterback problem? That's another topic I saw pop up this week, and like a loud wind chime, I would like to chime in. If your definition of a quarterback problem is that there are only three good quarterbacks, maybe a fourth if Landry Jones stops throwing picks, 
then yes, it has a QB problem. I see it a little bit differently, though. Right now, the XFL is getting far better performances than any team got in the AAF from their quarterbacks. Garrett Gilbert eventually emerged as a talented passer, but he also never threw more than two tutties in a game. P.J. Walker threw four week one and three week two, which if he keeps that pace up, he'll be throwing negative five touchdowns week 10. Shit, that's bad. Now, Battlehawks quarterback Jordan Tayamu completed 81% of his passes against Houston, and Cardale Jones already has over 500 passing yards. It's true. Matt McGloin, Brandon Silvers, and whoever Mark Tressman starts in Tampa have played atrociously. But I think the real problem for the XFL will be keeping the quarterbacks who excel. Right now, there's enough good football happening that the XFL games are fun enough to watch. But if Walker, Jones, and I mean Cardale to be specific, and Tayamu keep playing well, why on earth would they not leave for the NFL, even if it's just to back up other quarterbacks? The minimum salary in the NFL in 2019 was 495000 and that's for rookies. That number increases every year that a guy stays in the league. So why would you play for an average XFL salary of $55,000 if an NFL team offers you a bare minimum of half a mil per year? For the XFL to succeed, it has to figure out how to keep talent. It needs to become a place athletes want to play and not just a stepping stone to get back or into the NFL. That will take time, and what we don't know is if the XFL can hang around long enough to self-sustain. There's enough talent out there to get good quarterback play in the XFL. That's what I believe. And if people keep paying attention to the league, you might see guys like Chad Kelly join XFL rosters. Kelly beat out P.J. Walker in Indianapolis and took his practice squad spot. So I think the idea that the talent pool is dry is misleading. The pool just needs to look enticing like a Las Vegas hotel pool and not some motel cesspool off of I-95. Now I saw this power ranking Venn diagram illustrating the illustrious history of the XFL on the XFL Reddit. The only way this could be easier to read for the casual XFL fan is if it were a Vin Diesel diagram. Oh, yes, that's better. Vin Diesel makes everything better. Well, except for maybe a barber. Now coming in at number eight on the power rankings, we have the Tampa Bay Vipers, a team I thought could leap forward in the power rankings until I learned, without a doubt, Mark Trestman is a terrible head coach no matter the league. Everyone in the XFL ethosphere, ethos, everyone in the XFL ethosphere thought Quentin Flowers would start at quarterback due to the Aaron Murray injury. But Tressman came up with the brilliant plan to start Taylor Cornelius and then rotate Flowers and Cornelius throughout the first half so neither guy could develop a rhythm or chemistry with the offense. Tressman is like the lover who always stops thrusting just before she climaxes. Cornelius finished with two interceptions on 159 passing yards. Flowers wasn't great when he was in the game and also managed to pick on just seven attempts. If Tressman doesn't start Flowers with a heavy rushing attack week three, he should be fired. Tampa will probably lose this weekend because they play the Roughnecks, but there is hope for the Vipers. 
They have two good running backs and Jacquees Patrick and Davion Smith who helped Tampa accumulate the second most rushing yards at 141 last weekend. The Renegades had the most with 154 and one despite three turnovers. So running the ball, still important in the XFL. Proving Trustman, all he needs to do is start his quarterback slash running back in flowers and make the run a threat every play and only throw when it feels right, like the Titans in the playoffs. Number seven, it's the New York Guardians, and they're lucky to not be dead last on this list. They had the worst performance of the weekend, scoring zero points, and the only thing Matt McGloin did at an elite level was point his fingers. PowerPoint, PowerPoint. The Guardians converted one of 11 third downs, turned the ball over three times, and saw their quarterback net a 10.1 QB rating. Their defense went from leading the league with five sacks week one to getting zero sacks against the defenders. Now, I would start Marquise Williams this weekend and prepare to lose to the Battlehawks. Number six, we have the LA Wildcats. They moved up from the bottom spot last week because they somehow managed to improve their defense after trading away their defensive captain. And I criticized head coach Winston Moss for having too much power, but after seeing him sit on the sideline calling plays like this during the game, I take back every bad thing I ever said about this bad, badass man. If Elijah Hood doesn't lose two fumbles against the Renegades, maybe the Wildcats win, and maybe I don't recognize his name is almost Elijah Wood and nickname him Ghetto Frodo. Number five, it's reluctantly the Seattle Dragons. I wanted to put the Wildcats ahead of Seattle because I don't think Brandon Silvers is good and Josh Johnson should help the Wildcats to some wins. The only reason the Dragons beat Tampa Bay is because the Vipers threw three picks. The Dragons were lucky to get that win and will probably get annihilated by the Renegades this weekend who are my number four team. The Dallas Renegades led by Landry Jones, the quarterback least like a renegade on any roster. I do think the Wildcats can upset the defenders this upcoming weekend, and I think the Renegades can upset the Roughnecks the following weekend. Dallas didn't have the start they wanted to this season, but Cameron Artis Payne emerged as maybe the best running back in the XFL. Landry Jones was only sacked twice, knowing how slow Landry is, and pairing that with Payne's 99 rushing yards, I'd say the Renegades also have a pretty solid offensive line, and I think that might go a long way in the XFL. And I'm most curious to see how Landry Jones plays with a game under his belt, which that belt was never used for devious pleasures. Coming in at number three, it's the St. Louis Battlehawks. Jordan Tayamu is flying under the radar due to the popularity of Cardale Jones and the amazing play from PJ Walker, but Tayamu is completing the highest percentage of his passes after two games at 78.1, and like Walker makes plays with his legs when needed. St. Louis has the most potential to develop this season. There's a lot of talent on that offense with two NFL seasoned running backs and Matt Jones and Christine Michael, the best slot receiver in the league in DeMornay Pearsonell, and two wideouts emerging as viable threats in LaDamian Washington and Alonzo Russell. I think that group is only second to DC's ball catchers right now. Number two, mm, no change here, it's the Roughnecks. Suck it. Not an easy choice as I had to pick between winning against a quality opponent or total domination. The Necks that are not smooth beat a quality opponent in the Battlehawks 
but I thought DC's performance was more impressive overall. The Roughnecks have given up the second most touchdowns in the league with six. Luckily, they have also scored the most at nine, and had they properly been flagged for defensive offsides, they may have lost to the Battlehawks. To the Battle Hawks, I say. I need to see a little bit more from them, but the defense did a great job against the Battle Hawks rushing attack. The Roughnecks have room to improve on defense. I don't know how good their kicker is, and they don't run the ball that well. None of that has mattered because PJ Walker is so fucking good. He is fun to watch, and I expect them to eviscerate the Vipers on Saturday. And their secret weapon may be super fan Randy the Plumber, who is quickly becoming the XFL's version of EDP 445. XFL's at it again! St. Louis and Houston, St. Louis quarterback goes back and fires at something! Jeremiah Johnson picks it out of the fucking air! And he's like, I got the fucking grocery, son! Get the fuck out of my way! I'm going to the fucking house! They finally get him on the damn ground! About the seven-yard line! Quarterback saying, throw a flag! Throw a flag! For what? For what, getting your ass beat? They don't throw flags for getting your ass whooped. Which leaves number one for the second week in a row, the DC Defenders. DC and Houston are the best teams in the league. They really are a 1A and 1B sort of situation. But here's what I like about the Defenders. I think they are the best overall team on all three phases. Offense, defense, and special teams. That's what they call complete football. And even though P.J. Walker, again, is the most exciting quarterback in the league, it's hard to say that he's hands down better than Cardale Jones right now. We need a bigger sample size to determine that, and unfortunately, we don't get to see a Defenders Roughnecks game until week seven. Plus, receiver Rashad Ross is ready to unleash a vengeance game on the Wildcats. He tweeted, I'm not about to do a lot of talking, but how L.A. did me? This game is personal, and they gotta feel me. Hashtag on my daddy rocket emoji. The Wildcats traded Ross to D.C. for receiver Trey McBride, which is another reason D.C. is number one. Trey McBride, who has been injured, has yet to catch a pass this season, and linebacker Anthony Johnson, also gifted to D.C. by L.A., had one and a half sacks in his debut for the Defenders, so they're winning the player personnel battle. Playing in the XFL is already a chip on everyone's shoulder, and now, stacking like Pringles, Ross has two chips heading into week three. Maybe McBride turns out to be great, but right now, had LA kept Ross and Nelson Spruce, they could have two of the top ball catchers in the league. And the defenders, like every other team, seem to suck at converting their extra point attempts, which is a big problem for the XFL. It's not working. On 19 attempts this last weekend, only four attempts were successful. The Battlehawks, Defenders, and Roughnecks combined for 11 touchdowns, which means they attempted 11 point afters and only converted on one. Those are three of the best teams in the league and they could only convert one extra point play. That shit is broken and I think teams need to start just going for two and three points as there seems to be no advantage for trying from the two yard line. So again, I'm just here to help the game get better. Uh, thanks for watching another episode of That's Good Sports. Please, again, subscribe here on YouTube. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon Perna if you want to follow me on those bullshits. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good.